the, the client, the prospect, your customer is faced with that dilemma. If, if there isn't the one standout, the, the obvious choice from the onset, then they're just faced with a land of really good choices. And how do you make yourself, you know, you could still win the sale for sure. You can win the customer, uh, but, but it's not as predictable and, and not something that you can count on as well because you're just another piece of cheese on a really good land of choices. So, and then the lobster, well, I love lobster too. So I said, you know, if there's a, if there's a lobster tail on this cheese plate, well, that's the obvious choice. The title lobster on a cheese plate is really your goal. You want to be the lobster among the land of cheese. Welcome to Peer Talk, a dialogue with business owners just like you. Peer Talk conversations run the gamut of business challenges facing owners today. The host of Peer Talk is Dan Crowley, founder and owner of Peer Executive Groups, which provides a safe space for owners to share their experience, grow their businesses, and learn from their peers. Hi, this is Dan Crowley. We have a number of great business owners in our Peer Executive Group network, and our job is to give them a voice. Welcome to Peer Talk. Mackinac Construction Products is a proud sponsor of Peer Talk and PEG. Mackinac designs and develops equipment specifically for inefficiencies within the rental industry. Our products deliver high value ROI as well as innovative operational solutions for your business. We're here to help you get the job done faster, safer, and easier. Email us at info at for your exclusive PEG specials. And remember, it's spelled M-A-K-I-N-E-X. Welcome to Peer Talk. This is Dan Crowley. We are starting our second season. So excited to be back. And we have a lot of surprises for you this season. The first being in our first episode here. Today, we have author Mark Harari, who is a writer, speaker, trainer, and outspoken critic of the nominative determinism theory. I'm sure you're aware of what that is. It's a hypothesis that a person's name influences what they do for a living. So although it's true a disproportionate number of dentists are named Dennis, he thinks it's coincidental. And the theory is just plain silly. Now, Mark's marketing career... Oh, Mark's marketing... Hmm. Okay. Well, moving on. Mark's marketing career began over 20 years ago with a freelance side hustle while selling lumber full-time. And he never looks back, having since helped hundreds of small businesses rock their market. He is the recipient of numerous marketing awards in many categories, including video, web design, print advertising, and copywriting. They include three prestigious News Creative Awards, an IAC Award, three AVA Digital Awards, and two Marcom International Awards. He is also owner of Remodelers Advantage. Welcome, Mark. Welcome to Peer Talk. We are in season two. Welcome, welcome. It's good to be back after a couple of month hiatus. And we have a lot of surprises for you this season, as we mentioned. And today's is one of the biggest ones. We have author Mark Harari, the author of Lobster on a Cheese Plague. Welcome, Mark. Dan, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is great. So this is one of my uh, favorite books in the spring that I read, and we're now making it uh, the summer read for our um, peer executive groups book club. So uh, having you on is going to be great because it'll allow people to kind of get an understanding of, of of what you put in in writing and uh, get give them something exciting to read over the summertime, uh, when, especially as it comes to marketing. So let's get started uh, real briefly here. Tell us a little bit about your background um, and how you 
you know, found yourself pulled into uh, kind of a marketing mentality for for who you are as a uh, business person? Uh, that's that's a good question. It's funny. I, I have an interesting uh, background with that because I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was in college and I didn't have a major in mind. So when I started, I just took psychology as my major because I thought it was really, really interesting. Human psychology fascinated me. And then I ended up just kind of taking a lot of courses that interested me um, without a career path in mind. So I, I was taking like creative writing courses and journalism and some graphic design courses and and that kind of thing. And ended up, uh, the Cliff's Notes version is I ended up dropping out because I, I realized I don't, I don't know what I want to do with this and I don't want to be a, a psychologist or anything like that. So I stopped racking up the uh, the bills of, of education and just uh, left school. And then Got a job slinging lumber. I was working at 84 Lumber. Oh, wow. Um, just, yeah, just got married and proposed to my wife. I was waiting tables, and she was like, if, if you want to marry me, you're going to have to get a real job. So I went and uh, got a job at 84 Lumber, and that's really kind of how it started because as I started to build up a book of customers, um, a lot of remodelers, a couple of spot home builders, and they would like kind of just talk to me about their marketing woes, and they'd show me their their marketing flyers and stuff, and I would give them feedback and just give them some input. And not that I was quote unquote qualified. I just, I kind of knew stuff about human psychology. I knew, I knew how to write a story. I knew how to tell stories and it just kind of clicked one day. One of, one of my clients actually asked me if I would do some stuff on the side for him. He wanted to pay me and I kind of backed into a marketing career. Cause I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And then I started a marketing side hustle Mm-hmm. and really started studying the craft and just read everything there was to read and, and learn about it and and went full-time into marketing and went a couple places, started a company, co-owned a company, a remodeling company. I was going to be in charge of the marketing for that company, and um, we did that for about six or seven years, and then uh, I moved on from that, and it just the rest is history. But yeah, it's so 20-plus years now uh, marketing and it's kind of funny. Looking back, it's like, you know, forehead slap, face palm. Like, yeah, of course I should have been in marketing. My interests were human psychology, writing, graphic design. It's like, that's a marketer. So, yeah. And, and, you know, from my personal perspective, um, you know, you're obviously one of the owners of Remodelers Advantage, uh, really outstanding peer organization, management consulting firm that serves the remodelers industry. Um, I work in um, uh, an ancillary construction industry, construction equipment rental. And um, so I was always enthralled with, you know, the marketing that your company has put together over the years. And uh, so it was neat to see that you had written a book. Um, so tell me a little bit about why you decided to write a book, at, you know, at this time frame, the last couple of years. Yeah, you know, Dan, I, I've I've always wanted to write a book, and um, my partner Victoria here at, at Remodelers Advantage, she's been pushing me to to put put my my knowledge into a book, and I made it my New Year's resolution for 2020 to finally sit down and write it, and um, so I started it like January one, and it's it's funny because you know here I'm thinking it's going to take me a year, but then COVID hit and everybody's trapped in their houses. So it came together a lot quicker than I thought, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I just, you know, 
my motivation with this time, and there was like a thousand topics I could have spoken to, but I thought there's so many books out there that just talk about tactics and, and how to do this and how to do that. And it's very specific. And so much of it is just around like internet marketing and, and websites and stuff. And there's very few books, at least readable books, that really address kind of the strategy and your position in the market as a small business. And I wrote it. And the reason I said readable books is because some of so many of them are geared towards marketing pros and people that understand all the lingo and they're really heavy with jargon and all that stuff. And I wrote this to be, you know, into, you know, marketing professionals can read the book and get get a lot out of it as well. But it's written in a way where someone that doesn't have a marketing background can follow it, understand it, and put it into practice. And I use a lot of real world examples, a lot of analogies. I'm a big movie buff. I, I, lo- I watch movies whenever I can, and yeah. I love movies. So I'm always, I, I, and I just wrote the way I talk. So mm-hmm. I tend to quote movies all the time. So I do that frequently throughout the book. But yeah, the, the main motivation was to kind of put this, this framework in an in a easy to digest way that even someone that's not in a marketing discipline can understand it and implement it. It, it was fascinating because it's it's written in such a folksy way that you just read it like you're reading a summer book, right? So from my perspective, <laughs> uh, it was such a quick read, um, but yet you know you retain quite a bit. So one of the things that I I really really liked obviously was the title of the book, Lobster on a Cheese Plate. Um, I happen to work uh, with mom and pops and. Um, what I would call business businesses that are serving a specific market, and there's a million of them. To some extent, it becomes, um, you know, it's almost like a commodity that they're offering. So, it, so you know, you talk about cheese on a cheese plate, and then you move to what lobster on a cheese plate is. So, why don't you give us a little bit of background on on how you came up with the name for the book and and how that uh, is relevant. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's funny because the, the title was actually one of the, the last things to come. I just started writing and the working yeah. title was marketing book, right? And yeah. so it was just kind of, and I was, and the, the biggest chunk of the book is about positioning yourself to win every sale that comes your way. And, um, and I was struggling. It was actually not too long. It was maybe about a week or two of just kind of going through a bunch of different titles. And I was sitting at home one night, my kids went down into the basement to play PlayStation on a Friday night. And my wife puts together a nice cheese plate because, Dan, I love cheese. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's not a cheese I don't like. Okay. I'll eat any cheese. I think it's the best food ever. So she puts this cheese plate down. There's all these assorted different cheeses on there and poured a glass of wine. And I got all kind of excited. We're getting ready to watch a movie. And I'm sitting there and how pathetic life can be at this age, right? I'm sitting mm-hmm. there and I'm trying to decide which is going to be my first but which cheese am I going to put first? <laughs> and and that's when it all kind of clicked for me because that's really what it is. That that cheese plate was a land of all really good choices. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a bad choice on the plate. And there was none that really stood out more than the other to me. I, I was going to get to all of them, but which one was going to be my first bite? And that's very analogous to what so many small businesses face. They're, they're competitors. The, the companies they're going against aren't aren't duds, aren't, aren't garbage companies. A lot of them are really, really solid, good, well-run, well-managed companies. And the, the client, the prospect, your customer is faced with that dilemma. If, 
if there isn't the one standout, the, the obvious choice from the onset, then they're just faced with a land of really good choices. Yeah. And how do you make yourself, you know, you could still win the sale for sure. You can win the customer, uh, but, but it's not as predictable and, and not something that you can count on as well because you're just another piece of cheese on a really good land of choices. So, and then the lobster, well, I love lobster too. So I said, you know, if there's a, if there's a lobster tail on this cheese plate, well, that's the obvious choice. Yeah. I'm going to eat the lobster, you know, then I'll, I'll definitely go back and get some cheese, but I'm going to eat the lobster. So, so the, the title lobster on a cheese plate is really your goal. You want to be the lobster among the land of cheese. Excellent. Excellent. And, and so we're going to unpack this a little bit. I love how the book is broken into sections and uh, you know, so you have five sections in this book and there's kind of a prelude section, which is called geckos don't eat cheese. Uh, which I thought was hilarious. I, you know, again, I still to this day, I don't understand what that title has to do with those four pieces inside section one, but I'll let you explain that. But, but we're the second section, which is becoming the lobster is really where I see my clients and, and our prospects and everybody who's a business owner really focusing on how do I become the lobster? Uh, so let's go to section one first, geckos don't eat cheese. Some really cool foundational work there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that section? Yeah, so that's really it's it's arguably probably the least interactive session in the whole book because it's lying the foundation for for success. And really, it's all about um, in layman's terms, in a way that any business owner can can do on their own, how to get to the information you need to to understand your market. It's all about market research and and ways that you as as a small business owner can perform market research. Mm-hmm. And I get into into you know how the numbers, you know, like I have the one section and you know numbers don't lie but do they tell the truth, right? Yes. Yeah. So so it's it's about the the qualitative uh, methods of of which you know it's okay it's a big word and that's about as big a word as i get into it but that's really the numbers it's it's surveys and stuff and then there's the um oh, i'm sorry the quantitative and then um the qualitative stuff is the words it's the meaning behind it and and i get into all that the reason i that it's it's a little bit of a subtle thing some people pick up on it and some of them don't uh the reason it's called geckos don't eat cheese is because the um the 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 section starts with a quote from Gordon Gecko from Wall Street. Oh, that's right. And, I remember that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and and Gordon Gecko, you know, he's he says in Wall Street, the most valuable commodity I know of is information. Right. Yep. So and that's really the theme of the section. And that is the most valuable commodity. I mean, you have to have as much information as you can. It's all about data. It's all about understanding your market, your position in your market, your competitors what they're going after, their weaknesses, their strengths, the SWOT analysis, you know, that type of thing. But it information is the most valuable commodity I know of. So that's that's why geckos don't eat cheese. So. Well, and it, it's so true. Like in our peer group model, we sit down and we go, okay, let's talk about marketing at 2 p.m. on the first day of our peer group meeting. And uh, mm-hmm. everybody starts talking about their tactics, but they don't go backwards and look at the information that fed them to make decisions around that and especially tying their message to uh, their marketing plan, right? So you, everybody's got a vision for their company and who they want to be, which you really get into awesome in the second section, Becoming the Lobster. This is where you really kind of sucked me in big time. And of course, I love movie references. And this is, you went on a deep, deep, deep dive on the uh, 
the stone reference. So let's talk about the um, six stones of positioning. And why don't you explain the stones for everyone here? Yeah, so uh, I, I equated it to, uh, in the Marvel Universe, the six Infinity Stones that all the Marvel movies were, were centered around. And, of course, when you get into uh, Endgame, that movie with Thanos, uh, he's, he's already a big beast of a guy, right? A god-like yes. character, but he's still not all-powerful. He needs to get the six stones. And that's actually how he ends up getting defeated, because whoever has these six stones are essentially all-powerful. Um, well, your positioning statement is what we kind of work through building out. And this is the positioning statement, as it so happens, are composed of six stones as well. And if you get all six of the positioning stones, just like with those infinity stones, you can defeat anyone in your market. And it doesn't matter how large they are, just like you can defeat all the, th you know, the Thanos of your industry, you can beat them and you can go toe to toe with them and win if you collect the six stones of positioning. And, um, and, and we work through each one and, and they're each chapter is dedicated to each stone. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you you, you identify your target customer. We go through that process. We identify that targets unmet need. That's the second stone. The third stone is identifying your competitive set, which is really the sandbox you play in. And, but it's kind of surprising. You, you, do got to work through it. It, it. It's a very common tendency to just say, okay, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a rental company and I go against other rental companies yeah. or I'm a remodeler and I go against other remodelers. Well, you know what? That might not be the case. And you really got to work through that and understand you'd be surprised that some of the guys you think you're competing with, you actually aren't. Um, so then we work through that. And then um, the fourth stone is the heart of the whole thing, the point of difference, right? The thing yeah. that makes you unique. Yep. And, um, and then again, just summary wise, the, the fifth stone is your reasons to believe. And that's the stone that powers the point of difference because you have to support it without, without the reasons to believe that support the point of difference you're making. Uh, that's just a stated claim. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't just say, hey, trust me, it's true. You have to prove it. Um, so that's the fifth stone. And then the sixth and final stone is probably the one that 90% of small businesses ignore completely. And that's the the personality of your brand and every brand should have a personality. It's, it's your distinctive character. Mm -hmm. We, we, we are a, uh, a tribal species and we're attracted to, to people that are like us. You know, if you think of any of your friends, you're going to have a lot in common with them. You're going to mm -hmm. like the same movies. You're going to talk the same way. Um, you know, you're going to have the same ideals, the same beliefs and all of that stuff comes into play. And so, people connect with brands the same way and they're going to connect with a brand that stands for the same things they stand for. So brand personality is a huge part of that. And, and those, that rounds out the six stones that yeah. go into the positioning statement. I, I tell you what I, so when I was reading this, I found that I kept putting uh, the book down and taking a pad of paper and kind of evaluating myself on each stone. Right. So I'm, yeah. I'm picturing your workbook. Cool. I'm, I'm picturing your workbook come out um, in the fall, so make sure you get a workbook yeah. going. But it it is um, it's amazing because if you quantitatively assess, and when I use that word, I use it lately, you got to subjectively on a scale of one to five or a scale of one to ten. You know how how well have I thought through my target market? What have I seen in terms of an unmet need? And then certainly mm -hmm. the next two are big, which is competitive set and point of difference. Um, and so you know, getting that down on paper, understanding it, and then it could be part of what's driving your business forward. Because 
we jump into tactics, which we're going to touch here in a second, so quickly, and we don't take the time to kind of go through this process, uh, which becoming the lobster, I love it. It's such a great title for that section. <laughs> but um, you also go into, at the end of that section, you talk a little bit about um, pricing strategy, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, something I never consider, never think about. I know my customers have like, um, you know, there's a, ge- there's a general pricing strategy in their marketplace, but um, it's always a challenge. We, we find some of our clients are, you know, under undervaluing valuing what they're bringing to the market and they don't really recognize that right away. So tell us just a little bit about, you know, how you see that factoring into the six. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, it's, it's funny cause it, it almost, that's why I actually, Dan, I have it. It's, it's towards the end of the book when we even start talking about pricing and that's because yeah. you, you got to go through the steps of writing your positioning statement. And then we kind of get into your, um, you know, your messaging and, and the copy that you're going to put out there to connect and, and reach them. And, and then we start talking about the pricing because, you know, your price is a direct one-to-one relationship with your position in the market. Mm-hmm. You know, and if, 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 if you're, tr- if you're putting yourself in a place, you know, so many, so many business owners, m- most, of the ones I deal with are remodelers because of the industry that we're the vertical we're focused on. But so many think about things like, you know, quality and our unique service and all that stuff, which don't even get me started on those not really being unique uh, yeah. points of difference. But that notwithstanding, they put themselves on such a high pedestal when they talk about how they're different from their competitors. And then they're pricing themselves down to the competition. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, they, they, they go in, in the face of each other. It's you, you need to, price yourself fairly for, for what you provide. You provide more than just the thing. You're mm-hmm. providing more mm-hmm. than that. And, and you get to pay, charge more for it. And, you know, we kind of, I do kind of talk about the whole thing about like, um, you know, if, if you like, if you're, if you're a niche, uh, if you're focused on a, a specific niche or something, you know, if you're a specialist, if you specialize in something, a different subset within the the broad market that you're you're playing in, mm-hmm. we charge a, a premium for that because you know people are willing and and more than happy to pay more for specialists than generalists. Yeah, you know, I mean, the the obvious uh, analogy would be a, a doctor. I mean, your general practitioner, you're not paying nearly as much as if you go to see a you know a knee specialist or a heart specialist or or you know an eye specialist. They they charge a significantly larger sum than than your general practitioner and that's because they're specialists in their trade the gp can can diagnose something with your heart they can tell something's wrong with it or or your eye isn't working properly but they have to send you off to someone that that specializes in that and they charge more for it so mm-hmm. you should be charging more for it too now don't play down to your market you don't want to you're just getting into a commodity game at that point gotcha. and and it's just a race to the bottom. Well, and and I think, you know, you've you've made the case becoming the lobster, right? So now it's like you don't have to be all things to all people. You now have to find your lobster lovers, which is your next section, right? Section three, find the lobster lovers. Right. And um, you know, so it's it's really exciting for a, a customer who uh, who or or exciting for a business owner who goes through this process and then all of a sudden they're like Hey, I can be this new thing and or or you know expand on what I'm doing, and now I need to find that market um, and really 
not try to be all things to all people. You then you you kind of attack messaging and copywriting and you know getting it all together, presenting it out there. Um, very very intimidating for a business owner who might not have that skill set. So t- talk to us a little bit about that section and and I think you made reference to using outside professionals and things like that possibly. Yeah, so copy copywriting for sure uh, is it's a studied art and it's not something, you know, copywriting is writing to persuade. It's yep. every advertisement you've ever seen is written by a professional copywriter, at least mm-hmm. usually. Um and if you have some serious messaging and a, and a very serious campaign that you're going to be investing in, you might want to consider hiring a copywriter. They, I mean, at least on a freelance basis to, to take care of it. But I do provide a crash course on, uh, on DIY copywriting in the book because at the end of the day, it's not realistic to think you're going to have, you're, you know, they're very expensive. You're not going to probably have one on staff. And to think every marketing communication that goes out the door is going to be written by a copywriter is probably unrealistic. Mm-hmm. But as long as you have the kind of those basic elements to it, um, you you can you can hold your own. And that's that's why I create. You know, again, the whole book was geared toward non uh, marketing professionals, so that you guys can do what you need to do um, within reason. But um, yeah, I came up with the three laws of copy, which is similar to the three laws of. Uh, as you know, um, I robot. Yep. Yeah. And, I love uh, that. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and if you follow the three laws of copy, you're, you're, you're pretty much, cause as long as you don't break the law, you're going to be doing it right. One of the biggest mistakes that, um, anybody, a novice copywriter does is they just write all about themselves. Yeah. You know? Yep. And it's not about you. And that's again, why it all comes after figuring out your positioning statement and that first stone of your target. It's all about your target. Mm-hmm. It's all about them and, and satisfying their needs, right? So the first law of copy, of course, is is you must speak with empathy to the wants, needs, and desires of your target customer. Mm-hmm. And um, if if you're doing that, then you're not talking about yourself. And so you've solved that issue. Yep. Um, so and then the second law, of course, is to um, convey your point of difference, which is critical. But um, you can't do that. It, I think how's it go? It's it's something like uh, you, a copywriter must convey the brand's point of difference, except where such communication would conflict with the first law. So now you have to, but you got to, you know. So the first law is speak with empathy to the wants and needs. So you have to convey your point of difference in a way that's talking about them. Mm-hmm. So you know, it it really just kind of helps you think through what you're what you're putting out there and. And how it connects most strongly with your target. So, gotcha. um, okay. yeah, so copy. And, and you know, it's great because you go through these processes and you're thinking these things through and you're scribbling notes as you read the book. And then you get to this next section, which is even lobsters need a plan. And you're <laughs> now in the, in the planning mode. And then you, you quickly move into section five, which is the execution um, Se- uh, section of that, which which is where most of us live, right? Tactics, tactics, tactics. <clears throat> so, right. so why don't you take us through that last, you know, section uh, four and five? Yeah. Well, so you know, again, even lobsters need a plan. I I say so in the book. I, it, over here at Remodelers Advantage, our members are all remodeling business owners, and a lot of them will shoot over. Uh, Mark, I must get six or seven in in uh, in the towards the end of the year is the new year's coming. Mm. Mark, would you take a look at my marketing plan for me? <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, just tell me if you see anything or if you think it looks good and that kind of thing. And almost all the time, it's not even a marketing plan. It's it, all it is is a marketing budget, right? Yeah. It's a yep. list of tactics with dollar amounts attached to it. And so, so very many, and not just in the remodeling industry, but in small businesses in general, operate off of marketing budgets as a marketing plan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you can't, you have to start with strategy. You can't start, you know, Dan, imagine if, if you were a general in, in an army and you needed to, um, to, to, to take a, you know, take something or defend something. And you went to the upper brass and say, I need, I need, I need to, uh, I need to, I need to go and, and win this war for us. Mm-hmm. And he says, all right, well, what's your plan? And you said, well, my plan is I'm going to need $16 million for bullets. I'm going to need $40 million for tanks, you know, and you just start doing that. The guy's going to look at you and say, well, uh, that's not a plan. That's <laughs> just a price list. Yep. You're not going to go win a war like that. So what are you talking about? Get out of my office, right? <laughs> but we do that in business all the time. We're yep. just like, okay, well, I need $15,000 for uh, Google ads. I need $10,000 for, you know, Facebook ads, whatever, billboard. That's not a plan. Yep. And and I do, as you as you read, you, I take you kind of through the uh, analogies of of how to uh, differentiate uh, strategy versus tactics, mm-hmm. and it's very challenging. You know, it's it, it is hard to to think of something as a strategic element as opposed to a tactical element, but mm-hmm. it's critical because once you've decided on strategy, that's what determines the tactics you should be deploying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I like that. Um you know, one of the things I appreciate about the book is you make references to different tools and you give people things throughout each chapter. One of the most impressive is is near the end of the book, you give us a tactic spreadsheet, which anyone listening to this podcast, if you'd like to see this tactic spreadsheet, um, Mark does this crazy thing where it's like, okay, how much time, you know, uh, does it take to launch? How much time is there till outcome on this particular tactic? And what's the potency? How powerful is this tactic, right? So so he kind of goes through this process, um, and we'd be glad to get you that spreadsheet, anyone who's listening to this podcast, uh, because it is part, it's in the book, it's in the back of the book as an addendum, and uh, really appreciate that that element because it, it kind of wakes you up a little bit as to what what's going to have an impact. And, and certainly everybody's going to have their own opinion in their uh, specific um, you know, business line that they're in on those tactics. Right. But uh, so the tactics, you're not necessarily suggesting that everyone does every tactic, right? So you kind of have to go through a process of picking tactics. Right, right. I mean, the, the tactics, like there's there's probably going to be a, 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 a couple. And actually, I touch on them in the one section where we look at very specific tactics that virtually, regardless of your strategy, you're going to be using, right? Like, yep. like word of mouth and referral marketing, everybody should be doing that regardless of any strategic plans you have. Um, so those types of things and, and email marketing, I think, you know, 95% of small businesses should be doing some form of email marketing. So I dive deeper into that as well. Yeah. So I do touch on a handful of tactics that odds are virtually every business is going to utilize. And we kind of go through how to do those effectively. Um, but you're, you're a hundred percent right. The, the, the tactics need to support the strategy. And once you have a strategy, you'll know that um, a, a tactic shouldn't even be used because it doesn't support that strategic 
plan you have. In the book, I use the um, the example of of weight loss. You know, a lot of people, if I, if I were to say, you know, is is weight loss a strategy or a tactic? So many people say it's, that's tactical, and well, it's not because uh, you can't do or buy it, and that's really the litmus test. If you can do something or buy something, it's a tactic. If you can't, it's a strategy because strategies are concepts, concepts, right? Got it. So, yeah, yep. um, you know, and so losing weight. Well, people say, "Well, I can do that." Well, no, you can't. If you think about it, what's the activity of losing weight? You're going to think of all the tactical things you do: uh, eat less, run more, take the stairs instead of the elevator. You're going to list all the tactics to execute that strategy of losing weight, right? Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, but it is it is challenging. It's that's the the quick test though. If you if you list something and you think you have a strategy, if I were to say, well, can I can I buy that or can I physically do it? Um, and if the answer is yes, it's it's a tactic. Got it. Okay, excellent. Well, so much in this book. It's amazing. Lobster on a cheese plate. Uh, let's digress for one minute because I love all the movie references. So real quick here, give us your five must see movies and why. <laughs> oh man, I got like 500 must see movies. Um, uh, I love the big Lebowski. I've seen that yeah, dozens great. of times. Great it's movie. just fantastic. And I, it just, is hilarious. Um, uh, multiplicity is probably a less common. Are you familiar yeah, with that? One? Yeah. Very Michael interesting Keaton. choice. Yeah. 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 I like, you know, it's funny though, because I picked multiplicity. I was just, I've been talking about it a lot lately. Cause when I talk about, um, um, psychographic versus demographics of your target. Um, that movie is a perfect example of that um, because, of course, everybody knows what demographics are, right? The, sure. the you know, age, sex, height, you know, income, and yep. all that. But the psychographics is the emotions, the attitudes, the beliefs, and stuff. And that movie is a perfect analogy for that because it's about. Michael Keaton character who is cloned four times, right? Yeah. So there's four Michael Keatons running around, but they all meet the same exact demographic profile because they're all Michael Keaton. Oh, no. But their psychographic profiles are completely different. One's a womanizing, you know, beer drinking, sports loving guy. Another's a sensitive, cooking, wants to be caring. And so they all have completely different psychographic profiles, but um, their demographic profile is identical. So I use that movie a lot as an example of why you need to have a psychographic profile on your target. Yeah. Excellent. Sorry, that, that wasn't much on a quick five on you though. So <laughs> sorry for getting long-winded on that. I'll go quick. I'll go quick on some others. Uh, Bull Durham is great. That's, that's a fantastic movie with, um, yeah. And, uh, let's see, Captain Phillips. I just watched that. Gotta watch that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, that's um, and if a if a documentary is okay, Free Solo is fantastic. Oh yeah, we watched that last year. It was outstanding, amazing. Oh my gosh, it's it's like I can't. You know, if if you can get through that without closing your eyes at least once, that's pretty impressive. Yep, that yep. guy's impressive as heck. So I was that five climbing that the mountain, be. climbing the mountain. Good analogy for uh, yeah. our business owners out here. I think it was oh, four. Yeah. I think it was four. You have to have one more. How about Fargo? I love Fargo. Fargo's good. Okay, that's a good one. We'll, we'll end on that note. But real quick here, um, what is next for you? I, I think I saw you have a master class coming up for Lobster on a Cheese Plate. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. So um, anybody that wanted wants help with actually working through the book, 
on a crash course. It's a two-day master class in Baltimore that I'm running in. And the plan is going to be to probably run it um, a couple times a year moving oh, wow. forward for anyone that's interested in, in working through the progress, uh, process um, one-on-one with me and, and a few peers. I, we keep the class sizes small, no more than, than like eight or ten, so that everybody gets a lot of attention and work through the book Very and all cool. the exercises in it. Yeah, and if and if anyone needs uh, more information on that, you can reach out to us at Peer Executive Groups. We also uh, welcome you to reach out about uh, the book itself. We're going to have uh, quite a few copies available for our, our listeners, so by all means, uh, reach out on that. But Mark, we really appreciate your time here today. I know it's been tough to to kind of nail down a, a time to get together, and, and we're glad to have you on the first episode for the second season. Nah, it's great. I'm excited to be be a part of the show. It's awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you, everyone. Mark Harari, Lobster on a Cheese Plate. Go check it out. Macanex Construction Products is a proud sponsor of Peer Talk and PEG. Macanex designs and develops equipment specifically for inefficiencies within the rental industry. Our products deliver high-value ROI as well as innovative operational solutions for your business. We're here to help you get the job done faster, safer, and easier. Email us at info at for your exclusive PEG specials. And remember, it's spelled M-A-K-I-N-E-X. You've been listening to Peer Talk from Peer Executive Group, produced and directed by Noah Crowley and hosted by Dan Crowley. Subscribe to this podcast for notifications of future episodes of Peer Talk.